I'll tell you what, look at this team of crack professionals. <laughs> They're ready to go for Petcha. <laughs> Dr. David Tabbert, who's off the uh, off the tripping around the country junket for a change. I'm and decided back. to. <laughs> did, you need the, did the GPS know how to, what Newcastle was? Did you oh, figure look, that out? They didn't hold my park here at the uni. I had to park bloody <laughs> miles away. <laughs> but I'm back. But yet on Hamilton Island, they've welcomed oh, you with yeah, open arms. It's, it's, it's painted on the bitumen. <laughs> Cheryl Shaw, who's here most weeks as well. Yes. Now, Cheryl, let's go into Brooch Watch now. It's a shiny uh, brooch, so I can barely see it. I, I thought it looked like a rabbit, but it's actually a dog holding a, a treat. Dog with a bone today. It is, indeed. We're going to be talking about giving your dogs treats today. Mm. It didn't even mm. let me catch a breath there. Thanks, Cheryl. No. All right. Look, he's back from holidays, working all no, over no, the place. I, I haven't been on holidays for a while. You're about to go soon, aren't you? Yeah, 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 a month or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cheryl Shaw is here as well, of course, on the brooch today. Dog with the bone. Cheryl, doggy treats today. Doggy treats, yes. I'm not a big believer in doggy treats other than when I've got a puppy. Yeah, because part I, party pooper. You are, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Mm. I'm, I'm a bit mean, actually, when it comes to dog treats. I'm a big believer in when they're puppies, yes, we use treats. We use treats to make them learn to do certain things and follow us. And Incentivise behaviour. Yes. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> but one of the things with treats, many times people are making their dogs obese because they're giving their dog way too many treats. Too many calories. Too many calories. Mm. And some, some dog treats are really high in fat content as well. So we really got to look at what we're giving our dogs, whether we um, are checking the packets. This is really important. When you're buying your dog treats, check what ingredients are in it. So you want to try to minimise the fat content that you're giving your dog. Also, salt content, so your sodium mm. is another big problem. And sugars. Now, often people don't realise that these things are in our dog treats. And there's also other things in treats as well that we really need to start avoiding. So if you're looking at the at the um, the ingredients that's listed on the, the product bag, have a look. If you don't know what the ingredient is or if you can't pronounce it, I say avoid it because some things that are in dog food treats aren't actually ideal. Not a bad behaviour for human foods either, just going to put that out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Now, there's a lot of things in the dog treats that are preservatives and artificial colourings, things like that, nitrates. Now, these can actually create a lot of issues for dogs with allergies. So if you've got a dog that's, you know, a little bit prone to allergies, some of these things can be a trigger and you're trying to eliminate things that are going to create, um, you know, an itchy, scratchy dog. The other thing is the fat content. If it's high fat content, so that will affect the pancreas, won't it, Dave? Yeah, it often might cause an acute gastritis. Yes. So just their stomach is getting hit with this load of high fat, high salt, as you said. That probably triggers it. And it's the ongoing vomiting that might lead to pancreatitis and the absorption of fat as it gets down into the small intestine. Mm. Mm. And, and I think, too, another problem is that often people don't realise that um, some products contain molasses and corn syrups <laughs> and all sorts of sweeteners that are put in. Now, these often stick around the dog's teeth and dogs can then end up getting more dental problems than they really do need because that soft, gooey chew is stuck around the, the dog's, you know, um, back teeth usually and that's then sitting there and causing decay so it's really worth looking at what you are giving your dog if you're giving it try to make it that it's a true meat so it's a, a real meat a one a one sort of like a kangaroo chew or something like that that doesn't have lots of different um, chemicals or additives and things um, put into it so it's really important that it be a simple treat 
Um, and just try to avoid anything that's got artificial colourings and flavourings. If you see that, just don't give them to the pet. It's really not a great idea. But treats are one of those things that when we give the pet a treat, it makes us feel really good. It's a, it's a win situation for us. We go, oh, do you want a treat? And the dog comes over and you give it a treat and everyone's happy. But the trouble is that the dog doesn't necessarily need the treat. If you're giving them a good balanced diet, they're quite happy just to have their food. I don't give my dogs any treats at all, even though I've got access to many treats. I'm just a dog food person. Well, but what about the kids? Because I kind of feel like we could <laughs> substitute the word dogs for kids here. Just liquid paper one out, put the other one in, and that's the same <laughs> okay. thing. Yeah. 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 No. Is it, was that a yes show? Or no. Balanced diet for balanced the kids? Balanced diet. Well, mine aren't at home anymore, so no. they've got to balance yeah, their it, own it, diet. Hang on, but at some point they were. Was the same theory holding they true? Had to, they had to leave because they wanted treats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. No, I've... I've I'm I one kill of those from people. Bar, they say. <laughs> I'm one of those people with my dogs. We know that dogs don't have a long life, so I'd like them to be around as long as possible. So keeping them at a good weight, keeping them fed properly, for me is really important. So my dogs have really good longevity, and um, yeah, so I just avoid treats. But not to say other people can do it. So just in puppyhood sure. when I'm training. Training, yeah. So one of the things I found recently that happened was. I'd given my dog a large treat, mm -hmm. bone thing, you know, rawhide bone, um, and left the house and a friend was coming over and she we, we were probably 20 minutes mm -hmm. between me leaving and her arriving and she arrived to find my little dog, eight kilo dog, had chewed the end off it and it was caught in her throat. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And she was choking. So it must have just happened when she arrived, but it just emphasises the point that... You know, you think these rawhide, et cetera, they're really tough. How's the dog ever going to get through that? Um, well, they do. Yes. And it can cause problems. You have to supervise them. I think the other thing too about when we look at things like preservatives and so on, there's a lot of mixed evidence um, around whether they may cause problems. And I think there's certainly some dogs that we know are going to have problems with certain additives. Um a lot of the food stuffs, not just treats, but other things, have preservatives in them to extend their shelf life. And so if you completely go away from the preservatives, you then get the risk of things like bacterial or yeast or fungal infection, Yes. particularly around fresh uh, food that um, needs a lot more care and food hygiene. So you've got this tension between keeping something in the cupboard that need that can sit there for a week or three versus something that you bought yesterday and it needs to be finished by tomorrow and it's in the fridge and so you've just got to apply the same principles that you would for yourself as far as food goes for um, giving our pets these things like treats and so on Mm, absolutely, because this is it. You don't often think about what um, bacteria is there and then they're eating it and then we get another problem right. with moulds and things like that, which and can we, be quite yeah. lethal. Mm. And we think dogs are hardy in this, uh, you know, because they eat all sorts of stuff, and they do. Um, however, they're still just as prone to some of those gastrointestinal problems yeah. that might extend from things like salmonella 
um, E. coli, contamination of food, things like that. Yeah, and even some simple things. A lot of people give liver treats to their dogs, but liver is really rich and it can cause a lot of, um, you know, intestinal problems and result in diarrhoea, these types of things. So avoiding some of these things that upset the dogs is really important. Yeah. Good afternoon, Cathy there at Sawyer's Gully. You have a bit of a spicy question. You want to spice things up for your dog. What's happening? Well, just a question. We're just wondering whether it has an ill effect if you speed it, give feed your dog a bit of curry or spicy leftover foods. Will it have mm. a reaction on her or is it not recommended? I've never come across this question nor have experienced it myself because there's never any leftover curry <laughs> in our house. So, oh, dear. I mean, you, yeah, it's a favourite food. Obviously, the flavours are so fantastic. I, the things I would be worried, well, first of all, why? Secondly, I think that you might find the fat content could be a concern. Um, I don't think specifically there's, you know, it's not like chili is going to be a real problem, but some dogs, they're going to have, like people, you know, some love it, some don't. Um, I haven't really seen a problem with dogs too much. Um, Yes, um, Mark's just found me a, a Google search that said it could be a problem. And I think this is a thing, it's could and may and it depends on the dog. My probable best bet is to not do it. Um, but I'm, I'm worried for the fat levels, to be honest. Okay, yeah. She is a little overweight too, so that probably might be oh, good for okay. her. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's stick to... What uh, other treats have you been feeding the dog, Kathy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she just gets her normal food. <laughs> this is the confessional. Okay. Her normal food being spread over four meals a day or... No, it's Okay. But, no, um, she only gets fed once a day. Excellent. What sort of dog is she? She's a dog de Bordeaux cross neo-mastiff, so she's not a little dog. Yeah, she's a big, a big dog. dog. Wow. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I can understand now why you're feeding a curry because it's like we've emptied a bag of food and we've run out of food for the dog. <laughs> What's in the fridge? Oh, yeah. Well, oh. it's just, you know, you don't want to waste leftovers, but um, and if you forget to eat it within a certain day, it's a thing I'll feed it to the dog. But. Well, if it's a fresh food like that, again, the same principle applies that we were talking about earlier. If you weren't going to eat it because it's a few days over, I'd probably not give it to the dog for that food hygiene reason as well. So best to stay away. Cheryl Shaw is here, Dr. David uh, Tabbert is here also. And as are you, Pam, from Cessnock. Uh, You've got a dog that seems to be yelping in distress whenever you give it a pat. What's the story there, Pam? Yeah, it seems to be when when you pat him around his neck or if if you just pat him a little bit too hard, he, yeah, he just lets out an awful cry and... Yeah, he doesn't like it at all. And how how long has he been doing this for, Pam? Oh, uh, well, um, December twenty one. Yeah. I had to put his sister down, and all of that was done in front of him at the house. And he went really funny. Um, it was really emotional type thing. He stopped jumping up and down and everything and um, he, yeah, uh, I had to start lifting him up and not, up and down off the lounge and does he, yeah. Does he still need you to do that? Yes. 
I've had to buy stairs. Those okay. I've got stairs for him now, but he does have one back leg is clicky. You can see every time, every step he takes, the knee is clicking. Yeah, that's um, probably unrelated. Yeah, um, and it's not has, not unusual it, in these little dogs. That, that yeah, and the problem. other the other knee at the back, he has got a dislocating patella that keeps coming out, and I have to put it back in. But it's not so bad hmm. since I put him on a diet and he's lost weight. But yeah, yesterday. Um, a lady was walking past and she just put her hand through the fence to pat him and he just cried. And people are scared to pat him because he'll just yelp and it's usually around the neck. Okay. Has he had or does he have any ear problems? Any smelly ears discharge? He, He does have waxy ears. Have you, have you ever ever had to have treatment from the vet for his ears? I've got um, cleaning okay. um, solution and that from from the vet, and he was only groomed last week, and the the groomer cleaned his ears out and everything, and he does get waxy ears, but he will not let me clean them. Nah, nah, fair no, no, no way will he let Mum anywhere near him, but. Yeah, it's... Okay. So... Well, this was one of the... A couple of things that I'm thinking is, particularly in these little dogs, um, I do see ear disease can be extremely painful and they can have middle ear disease, um, which could also be painful but less evident on the exterior. Given the time frame, though, if he's also had this trouble where he's not jumping up, I'm worried about a neck problem. So I'm worried about he could have a form of meningitis um, and that often causes this type of pain around that area that you go to touch them and they squeal. Um, And even if you don't touch them, they can still squeal. Um, But obviously anywhere around that area. He hurts himself sometimes. Yes. Yeah, it's like if he scratches or if he um, barks, or if he gets excited if somebody comes um, and he tries to jump around or do a, t- a turn or a twist or something, he'll hurt himself. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is why I was asking about um, with the ears is just to say if that's not a problem, and uh, it sounds like, yes, little dogs, they do get ear problems, but I don't think that's the issue. I think we've got a neck problem. It could be meningitis. The other thing is they can get arthritis in their neck or they can get any type of inflammation around the nerves. And there are some conditions in much younger dogs which look similar, but in an older dog, I'm concerned about an inflammatory meningitis. This is something I think you need to get him along to the vet. A very careful neurological examination and the vet will then describe. There is some testing that might need to be done and you need to have a really good conversation about, you know, do we get a spinal fluid analysis? Because there's some simple treatments that could make a big difference, and I'm hoping that's what it is because, um, you know, he's only 10, and so if we can get him through this episode, I think he'll be doing a lot better um, once he's had that treatment. Thank you so much, Pam. All the best. And uh, a big shout-out to Amber. Thanks uh, for phoning in a couple of minutes ago. Amber at Lambton. Now, David, she... Um, her dog is suffering or has recovered rather from pancreatitis, introducing beef back into 
her dog's diet. Any thoughts there? So the thing with pancreatitis is it's such a fascinating disease. It can exist in a whole spectrum. So they can have very mild pancreatitis and uh, to the very severe acute, uh, almost to an abscess where they need surgery and it can be fatal. So we get a lot of dogs that we see with acute pancreatitis because we were discussing before about, you know, fatty foods and things like that. And that can be associated with, as I mentioned with Cheryl, it can be associated with gastritis and it's the vomiting that creates a bit of dehydration and acid reflux. And that's the next step is then they could go on to develop pancreatitis. So that's that scenario. But then we see if they've had a more severe pancreatitis, particularly where they're in hospital, things like that, the main concern is just getting... Uh, making sure they're not on a high-fat diet because we don't want to trigger um, the gastritis. We don't want to trigger a heavy load of fat being absorbed into the bloodstream and going straight, uh, you know, being affected by the, the pancreas or affecting the pancreas, I should say. Um, so as far as beef goes, if it's lean, then there should be no trouble with it. It's really the fat level. Um the other thing that often happens with dogs with pancreatitis is they can have altered digestion. So the pancreas has a number of different functions. We'll leave the, leave the insulin part aside for the moment, but the digestive part is it produces enzymes that help to break down the food. So chopping the food up finely so that it's a bit easier for the enzymes to do the work because maybe you know the dog doesn't chew so well and then the food just goes through and it doesn't get absorbed properly that sort of thing, chopping it up, make sure it's low fat. And, um, you know, some dogs do better maybe with beef, some with um, chicken and some with other more exotic kind of protein sources. But it's not that there's a problem with beef per se. It's just the fat level. Do you notice that just about everything we've had today comes back to the fat content right through from Cheryl earlier on with the treats and right through to your diagnosing there? Yeah, so you've certainly. got to be careful with their diet. You must watch that fat content. All right, uh, Pet Chat continuing. Still a couple of minutes uh, for you to uh, get through to Cheryl Shaw and Dr. David Tabber to hear us. Well, gang, it's that time of the week where mm. we, we invite you, give you the opportunity to add a, an extra member to your family, our Dog of the Week in a second. And first, how about this for a cat? Felix the cat. He looks fabulous. She Looks fabulous. Yeah, this is a female cat uh, by the name of Felix. A gentle, sweet sort of addition to your family. Um, a home that has lots of love, of course. Her and her brother were found astray, dropped off to the shelter. Great with other cats. Hasn't met any children or dogs yet. So that can always be a bit of a question mark, aren't it? Well, for a young cat, they're very curious usually. So it often comes back to the dog. Mm. Yes. Right, so if you've got a dog and, and all of that and you think, well, hang on, my dog's well, not, just, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to have that introduction and see what happens, but it always has to mm. be controlled. So maybe uh, keep that in mind as well. And Ripley the dog. We have a uh, 12-week-old mixed-breed puppy. He's also looking for a family of his own. Loves to snuggle up on your lap. Uh, working on the toilet training, he's picking that up pretty quickly, apparently, and socialising pretty important at this stage. Uh, again, he's been in care with his siblings. Uh, were pretty timid after spending their early weeks in the pound, but he's been getting happier and braver uh, week by week. But still a bit unsure about new environments and uh, needs that family can keep that can keep that in mind. Um, lives with three hundred other dogs right now. Loves to play around. 
with other dogs. So he'll be fine with another dog. David, I guess this is going to come back to what your current dog is like if you want to mix them up there. Yeah, but oftentimes in these younger dogs, they will be uh, adapting. They will adapt to the dogs there if you've got other yeah. dogs. Um, certainly if you've got you know a dog that had another group around it, then it becomes a little more challenging. But again, it's just down to slow introductions, always supervised. Uh, and younger dogs generally will get along quite well because they want to fit in. I reckon, Cheryl, uh, we need to up your family a little bit. So a dog or a cat coming to your place. No. David, she's bringing one home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> our saying is the inn is full. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to add uh, Ripley, the dog, or Felix, the female cat, to uh, your family, all you do is you learn up a little bit more at our website, the Pet Chat page at 2NURFM.com.au. Pretty much wrapping things up with Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw is here, Dr. David Tabron, and g'day Elizabeth from Port Stephens, our last one today. Seven-year-old Jack Russell, you've got some uh, culinary questions for the team today. I have, yes. I've been um, told that I have a seven-year-old Jack Russell and some people reckon that it's okay to give them chicken necks, other people not. What's the? What's your question or theory on that? Um. Well... Raw food is okay, supervised, small amounts. Um, it's not a balanced diet, okay? So if it's not the whole diet, I presume. No, you no, just... I give it to him with other food, yeah. Right, okay. Um, <clears throat> has to be supervised because I yep. have... I mean, it's the thing, again, I've said this before, is you ask an emergency vet about what could go wrong, and yep. we've seen it all. So I've seen cooked bones, raw bones, everything, where they get stuck. Um, and it's, I'm, you know, I think you just have to have, make sure you're supervising them. Um, okay. That's all. But uh, one, of the, one of the things that we were discussing before on the show is if it's a food that you would, and I know you wouldn't necessarily eat raw chicken yourself, but again, yep. good food hygiene, dogs do get salmonella poisoning. And right. E. coli and things like that, and uh, you know, if it's starting to look a bit green and smelly, don't don't think that yeah, it's don't okay the for your dog. So no. best to stay away from unhealthy foods. All right, thank you so much, uh, Elizabeth. Best of luck there, gang. We've run out of time, Doctor oh, David. You do I, have, I have to come back. You have to come back next I'll week. I'll have to defer my holiday next week <laughs> to come back. Hey, the next time you hear that, you'll be talking whipworm. Oh, I know. Get excited. All right. And uh, Cheryl Shaw, is always a pleasure for you as well. Thanks, Mark. We'll catch you next time. That's Pet Chat uh, done, racked up, stacked up and packed up for another Wednesday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.